Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Hello, everybody. This is our last one of the series, which is crazy to me. Just a really quick recap on what we've been doing, and I'll make this very brief because we have some great things to get to tonight, um, is that um, we the USO followed Matt and I during his deployment. Um, that was about five, six months long. 162 days. There you go. Yeah. And um, we just really wanted to um, allow the USO to kind of follow us and do these monthly webinars to kind of highlight what it's actually like for a couple and a family to go through that time apart. And we know because we've been through a deployment before that um, there's all of these stressors that happen for you as a couple, whether it's deployment or whether it's TDY or whether you might be making the choice to geobatch. And this military lifestyle asks us to spend time apart. And that's really stressful on a marriage, stressful on a marriage or on a family. And so we really wanted to be authentic and real and kind of share the ups and downs of our experience so that hopefully it would validate your experiences. And so each month we have done kind of a different topic as it relates to what we were going through, but also what we know you guys might be going through and um, kind of just opening things up a little bit and having an a authentic dialogue about this thing that we all go through in a really real way. Um, you should have also gotten a PDF, a listening guide to go with this webinar. We did that for each of um, the webinars throughout the series. If um, after, I'm going to answer this again later. Um, thank you, Laura, for going ahead and putting the link up there. You can go back and watch the other videos on that link. And you also have access to the audio of those on my podcast. You'll also find that on the dashboard there. Um, but we've covered topics like ripping the Band-Aid and all that stress that happens before you say goodbye. We talked about trying to figure out how to get on missions separately during that deployment and together. We talked about holidays. How do you navigate navigate holidays as a couple? We've talked about parenting. We've talked about communication. We touched on intimacy while you're apart. Um, let's see. We talked about um, you Healing. coming... He, oh, healing deep wounds. That's usually a very big topic, a hard topic, but a big one. So we touched on that. And then we also last month touched on reintegration. And I believe we did that shortly after you came back within a week or two yeah. and covered um, kind of the stressors that happened during reintegration and tried to be really real with that. So um, tonight we are going to talk about kind of right after that reintegration. And I think like Laura said, that's not really something that we usually talk about. We kind of mm -hmm. just stop at reintegration, assume everything is 
great. And then it's almost like you ramp up again for that next time apart, or you try to find this new normal. And I feel like that's kind of all that's really out there as far as resources for us is just like this, well, find your new normal and, and kind of figure it out as you go Mm -hmm. and hope that everything just works out. But what, um, what I think you and I have seen, Mm -hmm. you know, and also seen in other families is that when the longer of time you've spent apart, or if you're going through rapid cycling of deployments, what usually happens, what we've found for our military couples is that it's very tempting and very easy to find yourselves adopting these very parallel paths. You know, you've kind of figured out what works for you during deployment. You figure out what works for you during deployment. And if your marriage gets to a place where you are not really learning how to reintegrate and cross those paths again, mm-hmm. after a while, maybe just out of sheer weariness of being a military family, um, I've heard couples say, you know, maybe it's just easier if we just kind of keep on these parallel paths mm-hmm. than try to figure out how to enter intersect them again. And that makes me super sad when I work with a couple that's gotten to that place. And there's still hope for you if that's where you're at, if you've kind of just thrown your hands up and just said, you know what, um, spouse, uh, spouses, I'm going to roll, I'm going to run the household and I'm going to just um, take charge and have control over all of that there. And service members are going to do their job. And we're just going to keep doing that because it's just easier to keep it that way. There's hope for your relationship to to learn how to reintegrate that, but also how to cast vision for where to go with your relationship from there. So that's what tonight is about. Anything? No, it was a whole lot. Okay. (laughs) Vision casting for tonight is what I wanted to do. So um, just, we wanted to start off by giving you guys a little bit of an update and as far as what our post reintegration kind of going into new normal is like. And so I'm going to let you go first because I did so much talking. What is, what has it been like for you um, as we've kind of got through that initial honeymoon stage of reintegration Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of trying to figure out how to kind of cross our paths and figure out the new path ahead. So since last time, because the last time we, we um, did the seminar, did the video, um, I had not gotten back to work yet. Yeah. And so I went back to work about a week after that, about five days after we did the last one. And so since then, it's been a month of actually just trying to balance being back at work full time in that schedule. And then also uh, being back at home, trying to plug in, connect with you, connect with the boys do little things around the house and help. So it's been, uh, it's, it's a common experience of when you're on deployment, everything is like face forward. You're looking at the mission, you're taking care of that. Um, and you kind of know that you'll be able to plug in as much as possible, but you really feel most of your responsibility lies in that direction. Coming back, there's that much more, uh, responsibility to be um, plugged in everywhere and to try and be great at everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, a, I hear from a lot of service members of trying to go, okay, I'm trying to do this, trying to do that. And I just feel overwhelmed in all areas because you're trying to give your best, your creative best, your planning best. And so sometimes what you're giving your best at at work, you know, planning and scheduling and making things happen um, and being very kind of directive on that. uh, Sometimes that bleeds over into the family. And, uh, And so then you have to figure out, okay, wait a minute, how I related to people on a deployment and at work doesn't necessarily work when I actually come home to the family because you're just you're just in that mode of going and going and going. So you don't really, you know, unless you get that leave, you don't really get that chance to to take a break, to actually pump the brakes. You're actually increasing responsibility because the responsibility don't stop at work. You're increasing the responsibility 
when you are then adding home and, and, you know, routines and schedules and how people are doing and, and all those extra little things that you didn't have to worry about. You know, it's like, um, I think I read a meme once that said, I didn't know that adulthood was just planning dinner every night. <laughs> and that's overwhelming. Like, Oh no, what do I, I've got to, we got to do dinner again. Oh again, no, again. again. <laughs> right. And uh, so you know, when you're deployed, all your meals are like figured out for you. So like, there is a part of my brain. Don't need that. Right. You know, I it can, contributes I can to, devote that to something else. It contributes to the level of exhaustion mm-hmm. because I, you know, and I think oh, yeah. that watching what you, are you planning dinner. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. well I mean, I think that, um, I watched you come home and try to be so <clears throat> intentional with everybody and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like a whole lot of adulting. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just so much adulting on everybody's part. And I think that all that adult is something we've been talking about a lot lately is just all the adulting, all of the decisions, all of the intentionality, all of the trying to do the best that you can, can be really exhausting after a while. And that, that definitely contributes to that reintegration. Well, this, this deployment asked more of you and the boys than it did of me. I mean, I was busy, but it wasn't, you know, as emotionally taxing as other deployments have been. And so coming home and seeing where you guys were, I really wanted to lean in as much as possible um, but then, you know, we just kept having, it's been, it, it's been a month of, you know, attempting to balance teenagers, which, you know, bring their own whole set of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in full transparency, being a military couple that has PCS seven time last year was our seventh PCS in nine years. And so the last month really has been focused on our boys yeah. because we've seen the, the impact not having stabilized community has had on them. Yeah. And so as much as we wanted to connect and go, Hey, are we cool? And we're, you know, back and doing life together and in one another's presence, almost at every point along the way, we've had to really lean in with the boys and go, okay, Hey, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go out. No, they have something they have. Need. Yeah. And let so me, it's been, it's been difficult on that. Yeah. Right? Let me respond to that. So first of all, he's, he's right. And I did want to um, share, and I've shared this in the previous videos, but just kind of in hindsight, cause that's a little bit of what we're doing tonight is hindsight and then kind of thinking forward. And it was surprising for me mm-hmm. to be the one that really struggled the most during the deployment. I was not prepared for that at all. I figured, you know, I'm not, the one that's changing scenery, changing location, changing much at all. In fact, in the middle of COVID, we weren't changing anything at all. We were in this house for a very long time. Our boys barely changed the sheets on their bed. It's very possible, you know, and so I was not prepared for it to take as much of a toll on me. I think the traditional mindset is that other than, you know, me as mom being, you know, tired of just doing all the mom things and all the adulting, um, that I think the traditional mindset is that the service member is going to come home and have a hard time acclimating. But when he got home, I was really on a level of exhaustion that I have I don't think I've ever experienced mm-hmm. before. And he knew that as well. And so he jumped in like immediately to, I mean, you were mm-hmm. giving me supplements. You were like everything that you could to get me back to a better place. And so I'm definitely now at a better place. Um, I mean, it was one of those things like, you know, I do remember in the first deployments, you would come home and we used to call it the, um, like the deployment crud where like, I don't know if you remember this, but it mm-hmm. used to be like, I don't know if this happens to anybody else. Um, but like the service member comes home and they bring some kind of cold or sickness or something with them. Why wouldn't you want a foreign virus? Every time you go away to a different That's country. That's not as funny as it used to be. Bring, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, but we used to call it like the, the, anybody, um, come, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, put it in the yeah. chat thread. But I mean, it used to be like everybody would kind of catch a cold or whatever. Yeah. And this time, like the, just the sheer amount of stress, I think that was on my body. And just like, I had been kind of keeping it together that once you got home and I relaxed, like then I, I just got a cold and everything just because all of that stress released into my body. And, and I just want to kind of maybe say that to a spouse that's listening right now, Mm -hmm. that if you are carrying an intense amount of stress, especially during a deployment, your body has this remarkable way of helping you cope through cortisol and adrenaline and all of those, um, Um, stress hormones that help you cope through stressful times. But um, oftentimes your body will hold on to that as long as possible to get Mm -hmm. you through that season. And then all of a sudden when relief comes and you finally start getting a good night's sleep and your body recognizes that there is no danger and um, that, or that the stress has passed, it's almost Mm -hmm. like it releases all of that. It's, but it's been holding on to Mm -hmm. and whether it's cold sores or colds or get it catching a virus or just something like that you, um, you might have kind of like that window Mm -hmm. of just that stress, just kind of dumping into your body. And that's definitely what happened to me. So now that I've had a good amount of sleep and I've definitely recovered, but that was, wow, what a lesson that I learned from that process. So I don't know if anybody relates to that after having a year of COVID and and dealing with kids, or maybe there's somebody listening that relates to the fact that you have had seasons in your family and in your marriage where maybe the kids were really struggling and it was, um, kind of this intentional, like you're, you don't want to put your marriage on the back burner, Mm -hmm. but like your kids are really needing some intense focus for a certain season. And that's really, really hard. We can definitely validate. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to navigate that as a couple, um, and try to, um, balance all of that. So definitely, um, Emily, my back gave out the day my husband came home from his last deployment. Mm -hmm. Um, what a great example. Like it's, it's like, what a time to get an injury, right? Um, just, um, it's, it's really fascinating. And if you can be self-aware, um, all of you just more self-aware of what your body is doing and feeling and, Mm -hmm. um, what happens in the timing of it, you'll learn a lot about yourself and, and, Definitely. I'm grateful for how the body functions and helps us get through those tough times Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. The body steps up and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're done. Yep. We give up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So otherwise, um, post reintegration, I think there's this point where it's like, okay, you know, it's this evaluating of, of what was working for us individually and what do we keep and what do we let go of? What do we assimilate and bring into our our kind of married life? Um, I know I shared during other videos, you know, one of the things Matt was able to do during his downtime Mm -hmm. was you really, um, were able to get into nutrition and, um, Mm -hmm. exercise more than I think you've ever had before Mm -hmm. in a very, um, like you were able to detail, and really, I don't want to say you controlled your food because you didn't have access to a I ton just of food. I say chicken and lettuce. lettuce. Just to be honest, I just ate chicken and he lettuce. He ate lettuce for six months straight. Well, sometimes I ate lettuce and chicken. <laughs> but he used his time away to um, set that goal for yourself. That mm-hmm. was, you know, something that you could do. And I know that's very common for service members to set physical goals or physical training goals. And so he was able to really dial in his nutrition in a way that he had never had before. And I was kind of doing the best that I could under the stress that I had. Mm-hmm. And so you coming home, you've mm-hmm. tried to keep that as not you've eaten more than lettuce and chicken, Oh yeah, huh. but yeah, you've, of course. <laughs> but you've definitely now you have options, which is hard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've really tried mm-hmm. to keep 
keep that um, progress that you had made as much as possible. So Mm -hmm. why don't you share what it's been like for you to come home and try to keep those goals or keep reaching, um, continuing that goal as well, now being home. I think the the key to all of it is to um, lean in and be, be intentional when you can. You know, when you have that moment of like during the deployment and you and you can, it's easy, it's easier on deployment. Now have this little fidget, I have a little, little Captain America. Has to fidget. I have, to, I have to have a little fidget. When uh, when things are like rough, it's it's not hard to make it a, just a little more rough where you're like, well, this kind of sucks. So let's make it suck a little bit worse. You know, I don't understand that. Yeah. And so it's easy <laughs> to accept that because you're at that place, you know, to be kind of self-denial because you're already having to deny things to yourself. And then coming home, you've uh, you've got to be more graceful for, with yourself, and you get back into this area of going, okay, now I I can have that piece of cake, and that'll be fine, that'll be good, you know, I'll I'll invite that into my life, and I'll and I'll enjoy it. Um, so really, I think with with any of it, moving through reintegration on multiple things, not just fitness or nutrition, is the ability to be graceful with yourself, um, to to earn it where you can, and then to be graceful when you can't. And, um, you know, as long as it's, you know, if three steps forward and one step back and three steps forward and one step back, you know, as long as you're inching your way to whatever your goal you have, that's good. You know, we had um, on the second deployment, we were in a really um, very tired spot prior mm-hmm. to the deployment. We had been running retreats and, and leading chapel. You know, I think we I think the the, the tally was we had worked 16 weeks straight mm-hmm. prior to the deployment. And I mean, weeks. I mean, we were I was working Saturdays and Sundays. And I mean, so I was basically like deployed at home before even getting deployed. And uh, and so we had and we shared this early on. We had our little mottos of, you know, uh, go team, you know, and it was get better every day and then make it count. And uh, so for this deployment. Uh, every day it was just, you know, I would see, I would, I would make goals, set goals, achieve goals. And then just, I'd look at myself in the mirror and just say, Hey, keep going, you know, just keep going because it's just one foot, just putting one foot in front of the other, just one step at a time. And if you can do that, whether, you know, you're, you know, trying to survive a deployment right now, or you're trying to move through reintegration, you're, are you balancing young kids or teenagers or older parents, whatever it is, it's, you know, keep going. Um, I love the, the Winston Churchill quote says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Um, and to not judge yourself for the rate of progress that you are or are not making. If you're making progress, that's great. You know, every little win is a win and take that where you can get them, you know? Um, kids sleeping past the 45 minute mark. Hey, that's a win. Take it where you can get it. Um, and then wait until those times where you can actually kind of, uh, broaden your range fans and see a little bit further and be able to plan a little bit further. Um, but I would say more than anything, it's, you know, I've had to be graceful with myself Mm -hmm. and enjoy that and, uh, and allow myself to enjoy that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, keep going. So uh, first of all, when you said, um, when he said putting one foot in front of the other and just keep going, um, one of the thoughts that I had is um, I think we as spouses tend to, well, I mean, we're definitely putting one foot in front of the other as best as we can. But I was, my thought was, it's amazing how a lot of times we're both saying that same thing, Mm -hmm. but in different ways and in different circumstances in our different worlds Mm -hmm. and how putting one foot in front of the other might be different, might mean something different Mm -hmm. 
to the other, right? And so um, one of the things we always say is please don't use, especially this time during reintegration mm -hmm. and new normal to compare right. your levels of suffering yeah. that you experience. There is no comparison. And spouses, I'm specifically talking to you because I think that sometimes we minimize our experiences yeah. because, well, we, we, we say to ourselves, well, I wasn't without the family or I didn't go through losing a battle buddy or I didn't go through um, a life or death situation like they did. And so how, you know, yes, it took everything in me to get through that moment that day or to deal with the kids on that level or whatever, mm -hmm. but somehow we minimize that and go, well, it doesn't compare to what he went through. And so I'm just not going to say anything at all. And, and we just would encourage you to not compare the two that both of you had your own experiences. They're both very valid. And mm -hmm. it's really about how do you own those respect each other's and, um, be able to, listen to each other and be able to actually learn from each other, but they both are, they both are valid. So the other thing that I want to say is, and I wonder if put in the chat, if this is something that you guys have experienced before, mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure it is, but, um, I, from a spouse perspective, we tend to pick up coping skills at home um, or maybe behaviors or routines or something like that that helps us get through that time apart. Mm -hmm. And you may not even realize that you've picked up something until your spouse comes home and then you're struggling to like do it or keep keep it going in a consistent way. Mm -hmm. So I've um, heard some people, we've um, some friends of mine, we talk all the time about how when we lived on the installation, especially before social media, mm -hmm. um, when the guys were gone, and I'm using stereotypes here because I know that there's females service members as well. But at that time, when the guys were gone on our block, we all did life together and we did potlucks together and we went to each other's house and shared, you know, helped with kids and shared food. And, and it was a huge part of our um, support network to do that. And then when the guys got home and they didn't all get home at the same time, but when they did one by one, mm -hmm. um, everybody kind of just like went back in their house and we didn't see them for like months. And I remember um, some of us would get together and we'd say like, oh, I just want to go knock on our door and say hi. I haven't seen her for so long, but we don't want to interrupt family time. And mm -hmm. so my point here is that sometimes we have these wonderful coping, the positive coping mechanisms that we pick up in order to get through that time apart. And then we start um, kind of putting them away or not continuing them or, or sacrificing them when our service member comes home. And, and what the spouses in that kind of block circle we're talking about is how do we do that? Like, how do we still say to our spouse that we really need friend time? We need alone time with our girlfriends. We still need those walks that we were having or those play groups that we were having. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want to be mm -hmm. at home and with our husband or our spouse as well. It's just that we need both of those things still. Mm -hmm. And so for me in this last deployment, um, you know, I think I shared in one of the other videos, like strangely enough, I picked up the cello mm -hmm. as, um, kind of my coping and, um, hobby and Matt encouraged it. And I was thinking about it and finally he just pulled the trigger and rented it for me. And so it's, it's just easier if I just buy <laughs> stuff and just have it shipped to the house. Cause then she's like, oh, I guess, I I'll guess do I'll do it. it. Yeah. Um, but it's something I've always wanted to do. And so I thought, you know what, this will give me something to do if I am stuck in the house to really just gives an hour a day mm -hmm. to practicing that. And so it really became this thing that I looked forward to each day to sit down and practice that. And it was just for me and it was just mine and it wasn't for anybody else. And I was really enjoying that. And then 
once you got home, I really started to struggle with mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I really want to go practice, but you're home now. And I don't want to like go do that because I should be spending time with you. And, and so again, it comes down to, um, what are those coping skills, those things that you picked up that were positive mm-hmm. during that time apart that really you found it was a good contribution to your own mental health. And then do you find yourself sacrificing those things mm-hmm. or losing traction in those things in the effort to find the balance? Yeah. Cause I think, um, are you looking at the, I'm looking at the questions uh, while you're talking. Well, one of the things I want to add to that was um, on the deployment, the service members have downtime. Mm-hmm. And when you've got downtime, you're usually watching a movie by yourself or you're playing a video game by yourself. Maybe you're out working out. So you, you have that time by yourself most of the time. And, uh, and so when you come back and you're trying to plug in at work, you're trying to plug in at home, you lose that, that time by yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's been nice that you've got something that's yours, that's your, uh, it's your hobby, your joy that feeds you and you're, you know, you're a better person after you do it. Um, that kind of gives permit that definitely gives permission for me to go. Okay. So now is a time where we're not trying to plug in and, and be, you know, uh, connected. Um, and, and I could maybe plug in with the boys mm-hmm. and, and do life and, uh, or I could, I could just watch a movie or mm-hmm. I could go play drums by myself and just kind of do kind of do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it gives us that permission, uh, to not be enmeshed, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's one of the things it's a good word. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Brought that up. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, define what that means in matched is where you're, you're like overly connected, where you can't really tell the difference between where you start and I stop, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it really, it's like, there's no differentiation and enmeshment can actually take away chemistry in a relationship because there's, there's no difference there. You're like on top of one another, breathing each other's air. And you can feel that intensity of wanting that you know, after a deployment, you're like, you've been gone and I just need to know that you're there and you're real. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if that keeps going on, because you're trying to go, okay, how do we, how do we make up for those six, nine, 12, 15 months and reestablish connection? Yeah. yeah. How do we, how do we re, how do we find our space again? Where, where do we find our orbit around mm-hmm. one another? You can, you can become enmeshed and, uh, and not have that differentiation and lose that chemistry between two people. And so you've got to not overdo it. Uh, and one thing when you were talking earlier about um, not comparing mm-hmm. is also in that comparison, like if it just happens to come up in your heart to not attack out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not feeling understood to not go, Oh, well, here's something. And then just throw that, you know, mm-hmm. grenade over your spouse. And because you're not going to be able to stand. I'm not going to be able to understand. And what I've just basically done is just, you know, thrown, you know, Mm, the shame of that. Yeah, I've just, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a trump card that nobody can come back from. Right. Yeah. And when you do that, it automatically says, go away, you know, go, you go over there. You can't understand me. You can't be near me. And it creates that separation when in the midst of it, what you're really wanting is to be understood, Mm -hmm. to be connected. And you want the other person to go, okay, I see you. I totally understand that. Wow. You know, I didn't realize how hard that was, or you experienced that. You don't even have to feel that for the other person to the depth that they feel it. You just have to acknowledge it, hold it as sacred and, uh, and respect it and, 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 you know, work around it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It actually brings up a really great point of, you know, 
this time period after that initial reintegration, I think is probably the times when some of the stories start coming out, Mm -hmm. um, when we start having those harder conversations and where it can feel like it's really easy to get into those, um, opportunities for conflict and comparison. And, um, because you are starting to look back on your time and go, Mm -hmm. man, that was really hard. I can't believe what I just did. Mm -hmm. Can't believe what I just went through. Did that really happen? And it gets really easy to engage in conflict in that way and kind of throw that in your spouse's face, like you're saying, in effort to be seen, to feel like my spouse sees Mm -hmm. the fact that I went through something really difficult. And instead, um, I think what we found from the very first deployment was we found this, um, we personally kind of used this lingo where, um, where, in fact, you were the one that brought it up first, where you said, you know what, what he had gone through, he was trying Mm -hmm. to describe what he had gone through during that first deployment, which he struggled far more and went through far more than I had, um, not comparison, but like he came home really depleted and really needing to rest. Um, but in his effort to describe it and have me respect it and see him in it, use the phrase sacred space. And he said, you know, I really just need you to respect that space, this thing that I went through. And it's okay that you didn't understand, you don't understand it. It's okay that you weren't there for it. Um, I just really need you to tread lightly with it Mm -hmm. because I'm still processing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was significant. It takes up a significant amount of space in my story now. Mm -hmm. And so when I start talking about it, if you could just tread lightly, it's kind of sacred to me. Mm -hmm. And that became a terminology that he and I started to use. And I was able to use it too, to go this, this, situation that I went through, that was a sacred space for me. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's no way it's okay that you don't understand it, that you weren't there for it. I'm, it's just how I navigated through it. And here's what I learned from it, but mm-hmm. I'm still processing it. It, t- it takes up significant space in my story right. now. So that was really helpful for us. And so as you kind of get to this place of new normal, you start mm-hmm. looking back on your time and starting to realize what you actually went through and what was mm-hmm. difficult and challenging and how you grew, perhaps there's a sacred space in there that you've got to articulate to your spouse because mm-hmm. they can't assume um, what's what's a sacred space and what's not. Yeah. And that leads into, <clears throat> do you want to go to yes. the perfect, perfect segue <laughs> into uh, what we put together for the handout the other day, talking about like, where are we and where are we going and how do we get there? And um, for people that have, you know, gone through um, like professional military education and done, you know, we call it army design methodology. It really just kind of comes down to like, if we're going to define there's problem, there's defining the problem. But one of the design methodologies is like, you know, where are we? Where do we need to go? And and how do we get there? And what are the obstacles, Mm -hmm. you know, and what do we need in order to get there? So you're able to kind of quickly, easily define that. What Mm -hmm. we really want to do is kind of share with you how you can have um, a different kind of conversation with your spouse to kind of set the course for now that we've looked back and kind of, um, or how do we look back and think through what we've learned and what we've picked up? What are we going to keep with us as a couple? What Mm -hmm. are we going to put away? We talk about pickups and put downs. Um, So what are we going to pick up and keep with us and adopt as a couple moving forward? And maybe what are some of the things that we maybe need to let go of? And maybe they were destructive and not helpful. And what are we going to do with that as a couple as well? So your listening guide is more than anything, a worksheet for you to be able to sit down with your spouse. Maybe you guys fill it out separately and then you come back together and talk about it. 
but walking you through these questions that will help you generate um, this vision casting forward. Mm -hmm. So um, the two biggest questions we're asking are where are we right now? And then where are we going from here? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how we could sum it up for sure. Yeah. So um, do you want to kind of go through the where are we, um, where are we kind of walk through um, some of the questions and why we're kind of asking those questions. Okay. So where are we? It's when you were mentioning sacred spaces, that's why it kind of triggered that in my brain of you have to look at the events. And sometimes we go through events, especially if we're overwhelmed or we're just like, just keep trucking and moving along. Um, you don't actually stop to take stock of it. So one thing that benefited us in the process this time for this deployment was the journal that we used. Yeah. And um, I even tried to print it out and it's like, lot 800 pages <laughs> so i'm like debating on where are we going to print this or not um and so going through that journal uh made us on a daily basis uh analyze like where are we at what did i experience in that moment to be able to relay that to one another so we don't have to do this massive catch-up at the end and so we kind of knew who we were walking back in on when we reintegrated, mm -hmm. which is so crucial. So if you're in the middle of a deployment, it's not too late to start figuring out what have I experienced up to this point? How do I share that in depth with my spouse? And we found that that online journal where it just hides in the cloud mm -hmm. was the easiest way, because I know some of you don't have that um, quick, easy access all the time. You may not be able to do video uh, conferencing and uh, calling on the phone, but to at least be able to say, this is what I experienced. This is what, this is how I felt about it. And this is the kind of the new me. So take a look. It's not just what, did I, what did I go through and how did I cope with it? And, uh, and then the other question that we have on the sheet is, you know, how did you shift your perspective mm -hmm. of life and others so important. and even of yourself? I remember on the first deployment, <laughs> I came home and you had become very decisive because mm -hmm. you had two young kids and you had to be very decisive. Flip that. When I was in Afghanistan, I, every, all of my travel, you know, revolved around rotary wing assets about helicopters, but rotary wing assets. And so, you know, depending on the weather, depending on the, the, you know, mechanics and fixing the flights and all everything, on a day you thought you might travel, you may not. And so you just kind of were like, okay, well, whatever, you know, roll with the punches. We'll see what happens. You know, it's unpredictable and you're just kind of in a reaction. Um, so there's very little you have control over. So we came back together as two very different people mm -hmm. than we were when I left. So we had to go, okay, I like the way that it made you more decisive because I had decision fatigue coming home before the deployment. Mm -hmm. When you were always asking me, should mm -hmm. we do this? Should we do that? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, look, before, yeah. look, I'm, I'm making decisions all day, every day at work. Mm -hmm. I can't make all these decisions for you. So mm -hmm. it, it was a great relief to me. So that's a, an instance of that was really good. Yeah. You know, and the other part was I came home and you had a lot of stored up anger for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, everybody gets resentful after a while, you know, bring my service member home now. Yeah, that's legit. Right. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so it was actually trying to go, okay, so how do we, how do we pump the brakes? So yeah. the pickup of your more decisive, great, absolutely yeah. on board. The put down of like, okay, but we got a lot of resentment and anger. Can you, how can we deal with that in a healthy way, attend to it, validate mm -hmm. it, normalize it. And then kind of diffuse it. Well, it's such a great example. And so I know there's somebody listening that relates to that. And so 
in a lot of ways, the decisiveness of having to make those decisions when you're around kids all the time and you just kind of need sanity, right? Mm -hmm. And so you create structure and routines and those things um, become very definite because it determines whether or not you go to bed feeling sane or not, right? And so um, I did, I became um, decisive for sure. But I think that a lot of the resentment and the anger came from weariness. Mm -hmm. It came from exhaustion. And so I think that, you know, for a lot, I've, in fact, I was in Oregon um, about a week and a half ago. And I, I mentioned how I'm seeing within the culture for spouses, especially this level of weariness that's more than I've ever seen. And when I mentioned that, a spouse came up to me later and said, as soon as you said that word weary, I burst into tears. And I didn't even realize how weary I was until you said it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, what a lot of times happens is there's this exhaustion and you're anticipating, you know, the deployment or that separation ending, and then it ends and then it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, reintegration is not easy. The kids are adjusting, you're adjusting. We're trying to get this new normal. There may be conflict comes mm -hmm. in. There's all these things and it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in that weariness, it's like, why wasn't it easy? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through something else that's hard. And so in that weariness comes resentment and anger and all that. And so when we come to like, how did it shift your perspective of life and others? I definitely went through a perspective shift mm -hmm. um, of a lot of things. And so I'd love to know if somebody's being is willing to be vulnerable with this. I would love to see in the chat if you um if you went through a time of separation or a deployment and it shifted your perspective somehow mm -hmm. of um others, and that could be like just the world and people, like maybe there was a shift in, in a positive way, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like community stepped in, like you've never seen before and you mm -hmm. could not have gotten through what you went through without the help of community that shifted your perspective mm -hmm. of the importance of friends and community and neighbors and doing life with other people. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. Mm -hmm. So share, maybe if you're willing, and it's a vulnerable question, if you've been through something like mm -hmm. that, where it shifted your perspective, that's so important for you to write down and then share with your spouse, because it is a, it shows a kind of growth that's happened in you. Mm -hmm. It shares, um, and that's what we hear from couples all the time. I feel like somebody's growing without me or I'm growing um, more than they are. And that may not necessarily be true. It's mm -hmm. just whether or not we're sharing how we grew and how our perspectives shifted over time. Yeah. So we've given you those questions. And then this whole idea of how do you incorporate moving forward? Okay. So this is where, and I love that you came up with this terminology of, of opportunity versus obstacle. Mm -hmm. So basically kind of, we've shared this a little bit already, but it's basically taking what did shift for you, how you did change or not, um, what those experiences that you went through that were really meaningful for you, those coping skills that you adopted, um, which of those were positive? Like the cello is something that I want to continue to work on. That's a positive coping skill that he's also okay with. So therefore it's an opportunity to incorporate that in our new normal moving forward. Mm -hmm. That's something that we both agree. Like, Hey, I, I love the fact that you picked that up. I love the progress that you're making and how happy that makes you, um, mm -hmm. I I'm great with you keeping that, um, mm -hmm. in your world. And likewise, you know, I want him to feel like he can continue to make the strides that he wants to not only in nutrition and in health. I definitely want that to be influenced with me. And so I'm supporting him and doing that with him, but that's not something that I want him to feel like he needs to abandon or give up or sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so that's an opportunity for us to kind of get in sync. Mm -hmm. And it may mean I have to work, a, work a little bit harder to kind of catch up to where he is or kind of 
get in sync with where he's at, but it's an opportunity for us to vision cast together. Mm -hmm. That is going to be a part of both of our worlds, not just one person's world. And so that would be an opportunity. Okay. So then you've also got obstacles. You want to share a little bit on the obstacle side. What would be an obstacle? I was just looking over the chat. Okay. My brain, I was so listening to you. And then I was going to look at the chat and then you asked me a question. I was like, what are okay, you uh, Well, how about you keep reading the chat and I'll cover obstacles. You want to do that? Oh, well, I, I can cover obstacles. Okay, go. Um, obstacles are those things that actually came up that are maladaptive coping mechanisms. And when I say maladaptive, it's like this thing is not going to get you to where you want to go. Okay. And some of those could be like, if you're, you know, I'll just say it. If you're picking up tobacco use during the course of a deployment, just to be able to, to deal with nerves and that sort of thing. And it's not something you had before you were, before you deploy it, or, or, you know, it's not something that you and your spouse have agreed on that that's an okay thing. And you come back in and your spouse is like, wait, you know, what the heck, you know, when, when did this happen? And you're trying to, uh, trying to figure out how do I incorporate this into my life? Um, it could be some people, uh, I'll, I'll just say it. Service members can spend a lot of their downtime video gaming. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's great. I video game with both the boys. We, you know, we pick up a new game, like every couple of months, they teach it to me. We go, we get awesome at it. We beat the boss. We find another game, and it's just the way that we connect. It's the little kind of the world, but it we don't. I don't allow it to take over their life or my life, and I don't. Um, if if it's ever we're we keep an open dialogue of mm-hmm. you know uh, how you feel about it, what like, your perspective is, and so when it might yeah. become an obstacle, yeah, versus when, an yeah. opportunity for you to connect with the voice. Yeah, an obstacle is something that you're using that. Um, that is not agreed upon within the within the relationship that you're not both okay with. It is actually taking you, moving your your energy direct out of the relationship instead of towards a relationship, mm-hmm. instead of into the family. It's moving you out of the family. And so, um, you know, what do you think? What I mean, what from your perspective, what are some obstacles that could be for well, a spouse? The first thing, the first thing I'm thinking about, I hate to say it, is alcohol. Um, I think for, you know, it's, it's all too common in our culture, um, that deployments and times of separation are very stressful. And, um, when you are at home, especially if you have kids and jobs and all those other kind of stressors too common in our spouse culture, it's like, well, you know, what's your drink of choice or let's get together with friends and have a drink, or it's been a hard day. So let's have a drink. And so you don't, you may not realize over the course of that time of separation, either how much that, um, that kind of crept into your life and started to build over time. Or, um, I had a good friend of of mine one time say that, um, she, she decided to stop drinking because she, she realized this kind of casual glass of wine turned into a nightly nightcap, you know, and that kind of uncomfortable feeling of like, Mm -hmm. this is turning into an every night sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, one of the things that I did during the deployment that was really helpful this time around for me, um, I'm, I am definitely a lightweight, like I can maybe have one drink and that's all. But one of the things that I had to do during the deployment is I knew it was going to be hard, especially during COVID and the stressors of the boys in and out of school. And I knew that was going to be stressful. And so I had just made a choice for the most part to not have alcohol in the house at all, because I knew every day was going to be a stressful day. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that that can become an obstacle if yeah. you are, um, if it's become a habit and it becomes destructive. And especially if you as a couple um, are not in sync with that, 
that. And you've got to be able to have that accountability towards each other of mm-hmm. talking about like, what, what are we, who are we going to be as a couple together? Who are we going to be to our kids? Mm-hmm. And this is not about, you know, alcohol is right or wrong and bad or whatever. That's yeah. not what this is about. This is about looking at what are those coping skills that you've invited into your world over the time that you've been apart. And let's also be honest with the fact that when we are apart, our main accountability person mm-hmm. is not there. Yeah. Right. And so it might be easier to have that second drink. It might be easier to kind of bring in some of those destructive choices. Mm-hmm. I'm sure on more than one occasion, I had way too much popcorn <laughs> for sure that if you would have been here, you would have been like, you're going to be Ooh. so sick if yeah. you don't stop. Right. I know that's silly for me to say that, but honestly, guys, your main person, if they're not there to be your accountability and they should be, you know, a healthy relationship involves mm-hmm. that level of accountability. It's very easy for destructive habits to creep in. And then man, talking about new normal and having these tough conversations together, it is really hard to have those conversations of what do we want to change? What do we want to adjust? And, um, do we, you know, is it food that's become an issue? Is it, is it alcohol that's become or video games have become an issue? I know that's hard to talk about as a couple, but if we're going to establish this new normal moving forward of what is our marriage going to be mm-hmm. and our family going to be moving forward, then we got to figure out how to be in sync and not just go, you know what, I'm going to stay in my lane. You stay in yours. I found what works for me. You found that w- what works for you. And we just will turn a blind eye to each other. That's not necessarily a healthy way to move forward. No, no I'm just reading one of the chat things. So in just a few minutes, we're going to have time for more. So just questions. And so it doesn't have to even be questions on this, particularly we'll take questions for anything. Um, Just really quick. um, We won't camp out for this for too long because we want to get to your questions. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of your last page of that guide that we walked you through. Once you kind of get to this place of where are we and and now where do we want to go and, and assessing those kind of obstacles and opportunities, we wanted to help you kind of vision cast moving forward. How do you um, really get to where you want to go, or at least get on a trajectory to get there? Yeah. So one of the starting points for that is who is where you want to be mm-hmm. uh, and, and being able to pick their brain for how did they get there? And um, one of the first things easily came into mind is, is mentoring couples. You know, we talk professionally all the time about having mentors um, and oftentimes that can usually lead to, okay, I want to get to that rank or I want to get to that job that you got. How do I get there? Which isn't really the essence of mentoring. Mentoring should be about how do I become a better person? How do I actually become the fullness of me as an individual and what I was created to be? That essentially should be what it is. But having mentoring couples is is paramount because they can uh, validate the struggles that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. Usually having a mentoring couple that's at least a decade ahead of you and at least in the next season in life, at least not maybe even two seasons of life ahead of you, that, that gives you that encouragement of going, you know, if they've got kids at college and you've got, you know, tiny ones at home to be able to say, hey, you're going to survive mm-hmm. this. And here's what I, here's what I did that worked. Here's what I did that I wish I would have done differently. And so they can advise that on parenting. Um, they can be your sounding board for, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And I'm, I'm thinking in five meter increments because sometimes you're in just engaging little five meter targets mm-hmm. and they're able to go, okay, here's what the long story looks like. And so for us, one of the couples that we've actually just kind of been watching from afar, you know, Jeff and Lori Hawkins, he just retired as a chaplain last year, two mm-hmm, years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and just to see how they've moved into retirement mm-hmm. and the joy that they've had on their face 
And, um, and sometimes just having a mentoring couple is just being able to say, you know, they've had such an amazing impact on other people. What is it about the nature of them that makes them so awesome? And so you have to look and go, what is it about them that I admire? And then the other question is, why do you want those traits in your marriage? Because sometimes they're going to have traits that you're not going to be able to have simply because you're different people. And uh, that's why I say being the fullness of who you are as a person and as a couple, you know, the things that make us unique as a couple from, you know, other couples um, is, is great and traits for us that we would easily tell people, you know, that's not something I'm sure you could, you may be able to achieve or have, or may not be a trait or characteristic of your relationship. But if you're not asking those questions of mentoring couples mm-hmm. and people that you admire, you won't get to know that and invite them to speak that truth into your life. So not they don't just tell you how they got to where they got to, but they're able to tell you um, about who they are and why they got there. Next time on the Life Giver Podcast. Your relationships and your life need to be more about repair than perfection. Exactly. And so out of that repair of repairing Mm. myself and restoring myself after a difficult deployment or a difficult week, Mm. I've got to learn how to get better and better at repairing and restoring myself or Mm -hmm. engaging in repair and restoring with him. Mm -hmm. And out of the confidence of our ability to repair when we need to repair things Mm -hmm. comes our ability to serve you and to you bring an aspect of joy and peace to your relationship when you realize that you can take that struggle and bring something good out of it. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.